and you may, may have had a hard day at work, may have been a busy day at work, and just being here two days, I, I realize now people here have to plan for traffic. There's a lot of things going on that you had to deal with, and, and you got here. Really glad that, you're, that you've come. Thankful for the visitors that are here from various places. Even a couple, uh, there, there's a couple families here from 4th Street in Coleman. Really glad to see them, encouraging that they would come and, and worship with us tonight. But we're glad that you've come wherever you're from. Hope that you might come back tomorrow night. We'll meet at 7 o'clock tomorrow night as well. It might be your schedule would allow you to, to be there for that as well. But let's, let's have a word of prayer before we, before we begin. God and Father, we're thankful to you for this day. We're thankful for all the blessings and all the provisions you make each day of our life. Help us to see your hand and see your providence and, and to see the way you bless us. We're thankful for this wonderful opportunity tonight we have to come together and, and open up your will, open up your word, and, and study and learn from it. We pray, Father, that, that I can teach it right. Pray that all, all that are here can control thoughts and that we can, we can give you the, the worship that, that you deserve and the praise that you deserve. We ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look tonight. I'll just go ahead and put the topic out. But Eventually, it'll, it'll, it'll be up. But we're going to talk tonight about, about modesty. And in the middle of October, yeah, but I told you we wanted to be, uh, teach lessons that, that, that are applicable, that, that matter, that, that, that affect us and affect our family, affect our children and grandchildren. So regardless of, of the time period and, and the setting, I hope that it would be a benefit to us because what I want us to look at tonight is to kind of work in, in, in maybe an opposite direction than what we typically do. Um, because regardless of the month, whether this was July or October, if we can get our heart right, whenever summer comes along, it won't matter. If we can get our heart right, if we can get, if we can get our, uh, the, 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 the concept of morality right, it won't matter what, what season of the year we find ourselves in, but that's what we're going to look at tonight, just to give you a heads up. Um, we live in what, what we would think of as a, as a coarse world. Uh, lust has gone public, and you don't have to look for it. It finds you. You can just be flipping through a very, a, a very wholesome magazine, and you flip the page, and there's a half-dressed person. You can drive down the road, and you're not looking for it, but there it is on a billboard right in front of you. It's big business, and immodesty drives so much. It drives the fashion industry. It drives economics in a lot of ways. It's a part of selling everything from coffee to a car, and people know that. And it's, it's what people want. It's what many people respond to. And so it just kind of feeds itself. And this can show itself in a lot of ways. And one of the ways in which this, this, this cultural thing, one way it can affect us is through how we dress. We might not recognize it. We might be kind of immune to it. But if we are, let's, let's just take a fresh look. And let, let, let's get to the point where, where it does offend us. That it's not just something that, 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 that we get comfortable with. Hebrews chapter 12, if you'll read with me, just a couple of passages. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness matters. Therefore, we should never get immune to unholiness. Holiness from which, without it, we will not see the Lord. What we're talking about tonight matters. 
I heard someone say one time, I don't, I, I don't exactly remember what topic, what issue might have been at, at, at conversation, but he made the statement. He said, I'm afraid that we lost the war because we didn't fight the battle. Let that resonate for just a minute. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember what it was he was talking about. But you know what we're talking about tonight might could get put under that big umbrella. Have we stopped the fight? Have, have we just kind of taken a step back and conceded that's where we live, that's the culture in which we are a part of, and we just kind of deal and put up with it or whatever. We're going to fight the battle. We're not going to just throw a white flag up and concede anything. We're going to fight. But it's fair to ask the question, or maybe we're trying to fight the battle in the wrong manner. Let me give you an example. Imagine there is some Shelby County Road out in the county somewhere, no ambient lights. It's not far away from the city. It's just dark. Tree lines the roads, a little bit, a little curvy. Uh, it, it's, it's not maintained very well. A lot of wrecks. A lot of, a lot of injuries. A lot of accidents on that road. And so, we're all smart people. And so, I, I, we, I know what to do. Let's come to this side of the road. We'll set up an ambulance there. We'll, we'll have an EMT center. We'll come to this side of the road, and on the, oh, we're going to put up a, a hospital. That's what we're going to do. Does that take care of the problem? No. The reason there were wrecks and accidents and injuries, it wasn't because there wasn't an EMT nearby. And it wasn't because there wasn't a hospital nearby. You see, that doesn't fix the issue. The issue was, okay, so you've got an ambulance and you've got a hospital, but you also still have a dark, windy, curvy road that we didn't fix anything. And so when we talk about too tight, too short, too low, too, that doesn't fix the problem. That's, that, that's an ambulance or a hospital, but it doesn't fix the problem. We have the tendency to, to focus on the outside things because with, with your modesty, you can't not talk about the outside things, but that's not the problem. The problem is inside. So we're going to look tonight at modesty, but we're going to do it from the inside out, not the outside in. We can talk about too tight, too short, too this and too that, all we want. If hearts don't change, the outer appearance will not change. So let's talk about the issue. The issue is within us. The ultimate problem is our heart. It's not, you know, modesty is not at its core a physical thing. It begins somewhere else. And if we can fix that somewhere else, our outer wear is going to take care of itself. Now, before we begin, let's, let's, let's deal with some uh, initial issues that we're going to have to, we're going to, have to fight. Because we're not going to concede. We're going to fight the battle. Here are some questions. Here are some things we're going to have to fight. And 
It's not going, you know, you know what? There was a lot of sermons preached before PowerPoint came around. We're going to be all right. We're going to be okay. Here's the first problem we've got to deal with. Don't assume that everybody knows this. We, we see somebody and we, we see it on modesty. Don't they know? No, they don't. Very likely they may not. Many have never been taught. We're fixed to fight the battle. We're going to teach. And I know very well it will not be the first time modesty has been preached from this pulpit. No. Just because you have heard it doesn't mean everybody has heard it. Many are just conforming to the norms of society. And by the way, you're looking at one. Had you met me when I was 18 years old? And you had talked about modesty? Or what are you talking about? Everybody I know dresses like this. All of my friends dress like this. All of my family dress like this. What are you talking about? I would have even known what the issue was. I would have known what you were in an uproar about. I fit in. Oh, they know. No, they don't. And so we have to educate. There's the first issue. That we're going to come back. We're going to make a list. Then we're going to come back through it again. First, the first thing we've got to understand is we have to do our parts to educate. Because there's a lot of people, me and you know, and they're just doing what society does. Second issue that we're going to have to deal with. Some people do know you may be one of them. I'm assuming you are. Some people do know. And they just don't think about it. Some people do know, and they leave the closet without giving much thought. I, what I'm about to say, there are some exceptions to this. If you are a part of the medical field, you know, there, there are you know, scrubs involved. If you're a part of first responders, there's a certain uniform involved. So I, I understand it's not just a, a, a blanket statement. But for most of us, we're in total control of what we put on in the morning. When we walk out the door, most of us, we dress ourselves. We wear what we decide to wear. And sometimes maybe people who know just don't really give it a whole lot of thought. Now what we're talking about is not education. Now what we're talking about is awareness. Sometimes maybe we're just not as aware as we ought to be. We're not actively trying to seduce anyone. We're not actively trying. To, we're just not thinking about how someone else might be affected. Now, if that's true, then we have to fight the battle. Then there's a third one. Some people do know. And they just don't care. Some people do know. They think and they consider and they reach the conclusion, I will do what I want. I will wear what I want. And if somebody over there can't control their thoughts, well, that's on them. Hey, don't blame that on me. I don't have their mind. I don't have, I, I'll control my thoughts. They have to control their thoughts. And don't you dare put that on me. I'm being a little facetious, maybe even a little sarcastic. But the idea, I. I'll wear what I want. They don't have to lust. They've got to get control of their thoughts. Now, we do have to get control of our thoughts. But what we're now talking about is concern. There's the issue of education. Some don't know, so we've got to fight it. 
There's the issue of just paying attention, awareness. If that's a problem, then we got to fight. And then this issue of no concern for anybody else. I'll do what I want. I'll take care of me. You take care of you. And, and there's no connection between the two. If that's an issue, then what we want to do is confront those issues. We want to fight the battle. So, we're not going to avoid these issues. So now let's talk and let's work our way through this very same list all again. Go back to Genesis 3 with me. Let's talk about the, the, the education aspect of it. We have to teach that morality matters. Holiness from which without it you will not see God. Holiness matters, therefore unholiness matters. Morality matters, therefore immorality matters. So let's go back to the initial sin. And we're going to do a lot of paraphrasing. We're not going to go through Genesis 3, but you know what happened. And Eve is tempted. Adam is tempted. They both fail. They both fall. And, and then their eyes are open. And, and they run and they hide and they cover themselves. Read verse 7 with me. The eyes of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now me and you can figure out what they did. They, they, they took these leaves and they, they put them together in a certain spot. And, and, and what they did was they covered particular body parts. We, we know what they did. It says they covered themselves. Now drop down to verse 21. And you remember what happened in the middle. Where are you at? Oh, what? And all these, con these consequences began to be handed down to, to the serpent, to the woman, to the man. Verse 21. Adam and his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them? Now here's the, here's the interesting thing. When you put those two verses together, here's what you have. You have in verse 7, Adam and Eve covering themselves. And in verse 21, you have God saying, you're not clothed. They're not the same thing. Because, because we cover certain things doesn't mean in God's eyes we are properly clothed. One doesn't equal the other. And God is emphasizing that to them. And by the way, sin, oh, what was it? Uh, getting the lessons confused. Um, Sunday morning, maybe the Bible class, without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. Where do you think these, 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 co these coats came from? Where do you think these skins came from? We're back to Sunday morning, aren't we? Something died instead. There was blood to be shed. We covered ourselves. No, you're not clothed. In the patriarchal days, there was a distinction made between covering some body parts and being clothed in God's eyes. Turn to Exodus 28. Let's talk about the Mosaic Age. They're at Mount Sinai in Exodus 28. The law has been handed down. The priesthood is being established and ordained. It's all getting put into motion. 
As you turn to Exodus 28, you may notice on, on the outline there's a, there's a Deuteronomy text up there as well. Deuteronomy 22 just talks about abominable dress. We're not going to turn to that page. We're not going to turn to that text to save us some time. But it just emphasizes the fact there, there is dress, coverings, in God's eyes it's still an abomination. Again, just, we can't force feed God to accept what we do. We can be covered and He sees unclothed. We can be dressed, he sees, abomination. But what was emphasized in Exodus chapter 28, there's this description being given of the Levitical priesthood, um, its order, some of the things it would do. In this particular text, this particular verse, it's speaking of the, the, the priestly garb, the priestly dress. And by the way, before I begin, we're not in the Mosaic age, we're in the Christian dispensation, but who are Who's God's priest now? Who serves in that role? The Levitical priesthood, like all the law of Moses, nailed to the cross, no longer in effect. But that doesn't mean there is no priesthood. There is a priesthood. There was one that took its place. And who makes that priesthood up? You remember when Peter spoke, spoke of, uh, you are a royal priesthood. David was a king. He wasn't a priest. Aaron was a priest. He wasn't a king. You and I, priest of the king, sons and daughters of the king, royal blood, priestly blood. And here's what he had to say about his priesthood under the old law. Verse 42. You will make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins to the thighs they shall reach. And we're not trying to make some arbitrary uh, dress code here. But words mean something. And what we could take from that verse is, is to God, a revealed thigh was naked. Granted, we don't live under that law. But we are priests priest of a, of a greater covenant, priest who serve under a greater high priest, and to, under the old law, a priest whose thigh was open in public. May as well have had completely naked in public, because it was the same thing. An, an open thigh was nakedness to God. That's the Mosaic law. We're not going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. We will do that in just a little while. The Christian law, we will see other verses that are going to emphasize that although one age replaced by another, one law replaced by another, this is something God was consistent in. It always mattered to Him how His people presented themselves. And so, fight the battle. Let's educate. Let's teach. Let's, let's be verbal in there, there is covered, and then there is nakedness. There is dress, but there is also abominable dress. There is covering certain things, but it's still unclothed. And if we teach that, we're not teaching one thing contrary to what God's Spirit said for us. We're teaching truth. Educate. But that's not the only issue, right? We're going to fight that battle. But what about that idea of, um, okay, okay. okay I, I am educated, but I don't really pay attention. 
We know, but we don't think. We don't consider. Let's talk about that just a moment. Good people can fall, can fall short here. Not out of rebelliousness. Not out of just eyes wide open intent. But we can fall short here simply because of a lack of attention. So how do we deal with that? How do we help with that? Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4. Let's go to the wisdom literature. Do you remember, um, time's got away from me, in my mind this would have been maybe mid-80s or so, but there was a, there was a commercial that was quite common when I, was, when I was growing up, and I don't remember exactly what it, was, what it was emphasizing, what it was all about, but the catchphrase at the end of the commercial was always this, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. Anybody my age and maybe a little older remember that? that the mind is a terrible thing to waste. Remember, we're not trying to set up an EMT or a hospital. We're trying to take care of the problem that's in the middle. And the problem with a lack of concern, a la the, the problem with a, a lack of recognition is we're dealing with the heart. We're back to the, we're back to the initial statement. We want to work out inside out. If we get the heart right, the outside will take care of itself. Look what Proverbs says concerning that. Keep your heart, keep your mind with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The, out of it, it's almost as if they, it's saying, that's the starting point. That's where it begins. Maintain the heart, guard the heart, guard the mind, and from that flow all these other things, these other issues they're called. But the next four or five verses kind of gives us an idea exactly what that's referring to. What issues are taken care of if we can control the heart? We're not going to read them. Just let your eyes scan. Verse 24, your mouth and your lips. Verse 25, your eyes. Verse 26, your feet. Verse 27, your hand. How do you put that in context? How do you take that paragraph and it makes some sense? Control the heart. And there are, feet, there are places your feet will never go. Control the heart. And there are things your hands will never touch. Control the heart. And there are things your eyes will avert itself from. Control the heart. And there are words and phrases and things and, that will never come out of your mouth and out of your lips. Those are secondary. The heart's the issue. And that's the wisdom that God has given us. The mind's a terrible thing to waste. The heart, control that. And immodesty disappears from within the church. We control the heart. Our outward appearance is going to change. Because we can't be more perverse than what the heart will allow us to be. It's the source from all of our actions. And we're not ever going to be able to rise above the quality of that. However, however impure our heart is, impurities will come out. So let's talk about some definitions. Let's talk about some words. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I mentioned in the Christian law that God still spoke to this. He spoke about this. Let's look at a couple. 
Again, we're just going to look at words, we're going to look at phrases, and do the best we can to try to take those words and phrases and figure out, okay, what does that mean when I walk out the building? What does that mean when, when I walk out of the closet, when I walk out of the house, when I present myself before others? 1 Timothy chapter 2, just pulling out a couple of phrases. Modest apparel, shamefastness, and sobriety. In this, in, in, in this verse where uh, modesty is, 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 is at core. Those three qualities guard the heart. That's the issues. If, if, if our heart is properly in tune with God's Word, here are things, here are three qualities in this verse that if we can get control of, dress issues aren't an issue anymore. Modesty, which is what we're talking about. Shamefastness, or shamefastness, depending on the version that you're using. Uh, the, uh, not a word we use very much. You know, if somebody talks about being shamefast, probably they're reading from, they're reading from the Bible, right? We don't really talk about that in, it doesn't flow off the tongue. But there are other phrases that are similar to it that'll give us an idea. Imagine talking to someone and, and there's someone that, you, that, that you're concerned of and, and maybe they're, they're elderly, maybe they're sick, and you ask them, oh, oh, um, oh, you hadn't heard. They're now bedfast. That's a word we still use, bedfast. What does it mean? It means they're tied to the bed. It means they, they're not going anywhere. They are connected to the bed. You know what shamefast means? Very same thing. Except we're not connected to the bed. We're connected to modesty. We're connected to a sense of shame. And if we have an in-tune sense of shame, there are things we would never go out in public in. There are things that others aren't going to see us in. That's what shamefastness is, is referring to. This idea of being holding fast, being connected to modesty and shame. What would change in our wardrobe if we had a really good healthy sense of shame? What would never be worn again out in public? Modesty, shamefastness, and sobriety. That is not talking about the opposite of inebriation. <laughs> What it's talking, it's just like the many passages that talk about be sober-minded. What's that talking about? It means be aware. That's exactly this issue. Educated people who understand there is a such thing as modesty and immodesty, but walk out the closet without giving it a second of thought. Being aware. Being sober-minded about this very issue. We're looking for an inside-out modesty. Get the heart right. And then the, the dress will become a natural progression of that. Because the dress is just a commentary of what the heart allows us to be and allows us to do. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's look at some other phrases. 1 Peter chapter 3. In verse 3, it's talking, what he, he's saying what we're, we're not talking about the outer adornment. Let's paraphrase that. It's Peter saying we're not talking about the EMT station and we're not talking about the hospital. We're talking about what's in the middle. 
We're not talking about the outer stuff. We're not talking about the outer man. Well, then what's that, what's that leave? It's not the outer adorning, verse 4, but it's the hidden man of the heart. All we're doing tonight is just trying to be the best that we can at imitating what Peter's teaching. We're trying to work inside out. We can talk about tight. We can talk about too low. We can talk about all that stuff, but that's the outer adorning. And if we never get the inside right, we're just spinning wheels. Which might explain why there are so many Christians and so many churches who are fighting this battle, and yet immodesty is still a problem everywhere. Do you know a church that doesn't have to deal with it? I don't know a church that doesn't have to deal with it. If all Christians got their heart in tune with modesty and shamefastness, no church would have to deal with it. The end of, in, in the end of verse 4, he's talking about this, this, this inner man, this inner spirit, and then he begins to describe it. And then he says that it, it's a character of great price. Me and you have valuable things. We have paper plates, and we have, we have throw away this and throw away that, and then we've got the things in our home that really, really mean something to us. And what God is saying is this means something valuable to me. This character trait of, of inner modesty, of inner shamefastness, the, this character trait of, of a heart that is in tune, from which all the issues of life flow from. Great price. He's looking for it. I hope we can give it to him. Let's just pause right here. Let's just take a break a second. Let's talk to parents a little bit. As an aside, can, can it be possible that by some of the things we might say, some of the things we might emphasize, that we could be guilty of, um, of pushing on our children the idea of popularity more than purity. We want them to fit in. We want them to, to be a part of so many things. But when it comes to dress, there are things they cannot fit in. There are things that are not proper, they are not fitting. Is it possible that as parents or grandparents that we can, even without maybe not even recognizing that we're doing it, can it be that we are emphasizing physical attractiveness over inner beauty? Could we be guilty of that and not even know it? Again, we're trying to become aware. What we know and sometimes what we do, because there's a disconnect between them sometimes. We're trying to be aware. That's, we're trying to fight the fights. Let's be aware of that. Do we teach the kids and grandkids by example? We talk about modesty and modesty and modesty, and, and then we're the ones. We're the ones that's not always what we ought to be. Fight it. Don't throw the white flag up. Some don't know, so we're going to educate. Some just... Maybe not as serious as we ought to be about it. So we're going to become aware. We're going to become more aware. Now what about that third issue? We need to remember that we are our brother's keeper. That idea, that third issue of I know and I'll wear what I want because I can't control their thoughts. 
That's on them. It, it, it is on them. But it might be on me too. Turn to Luke chapter 17. What this is, this is a call toward responsible behavior. We are responsible for others. You know, that goes all the way back to Genesis as well, doesn't it? Where's your brother at? Oh, why, 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 why do you think I'm supposed to know? Why are you asking me? I'm responsible for me. He's responsible for him. Am I his keeper? Um, yeah. Yeah, we are. And here's a principle we better get. I better get it. Luke chapter 17. He said to his disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. Stumbling will come, but woe unto him in which they come. Okay, what does that mean? Paraphrase that. What, what that is, tomorrow, Lord willing, the sun comes up and me and you make it to tomorrow, we will be tempted. That's what he's saying. Temptation is coming and it's coming to us all. That's what he's saying. That's the first part of what he said. The second part of what he said was, but you better not be the one causing the temptation. You will be tempted tomorrow. I better not be the one that's doing it. But what if I am? I can't control you. I can't control your mind. That's on you, right? Verse 2. It would be better for him, the one who caused the, the occasion for, for, for stumbling, it would be better for him that a millstone were hung around his neck and he was cast into the sea than that he should offend one of my little ones. Bluntly as we can be. You know what that's saying? Here's what it's saying. It would be better for me to die in a car wreck going back tonight than for me to live and cause you to stumble tomorrow. That is exactly what it's saying. It's saying it would be better for me to drown in the Cahaba River tonight than to cause you to stumble tomorrow. So no, we cannot just wash our hands and say, I will do what I want, I will wear what I want, and if they fall because of that, well, that's on them. They've got to control their own thoughts. No, all that does is just put both of us in a bad position. The one who didn't control his thoughts, that's sin. And the one who caused one to stumble, it'd been better to drown in the river. So we are responsible. And we do have to take some accountability if our dress is contributing, then we can't just completely wash our hands of that. There are expectations that those who call themselves children of God will behave as children of God. Which means we're not going to do something that we know, that we know could potentially be an issue. It's not my fault. It might be my fault. It's true that there are perverted people who will lust no matter what. But in, in mixed company, and I, I want to be as, as, as I, I want to be clear, while at the same time being being tactful. But you know, sometimes maybe we don't say what we need to say because we're so worried about being untactful. To the to the ladies. Um, I don't know. I can't speak from, the, from a woman's perspective on this. I can and I will speak from the male perspective. It doesn't take much. I, I, it, it, 
shamefully I'm, it doesn't take much. You might be surprised at how little. I, again, I don't, maybe that's how, maybe that's a female mind as well. I can't speak to that. But from the male mind, I'm telling you, it doesn't take much. Ask your husband. Ask your dad. And gentlemen, if they come ask you, don't you dare cower down. You tell them. It doesn't take much, ladies. Low-cut things, high hems. Again, we're, not, we're working inside out, but there are things that does entice whether there was intention or not. Now we're, kinda, now we're trying to blend some of these things together. Th this initial question of, um, I'm going to do what I want, and they're on their own. I don't think there'd be many people here like that. But there might be some here who have questions about, Maybe this is a little too, too low. Maybe this is a little too high. Maybe this is, oh, but, but it's not bad. I'm just trying to be honest. It doesn't have to be too bad. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be too low. It'll be noticed from the male. It doesn't have to be incredibly high to be noticed from the male. I'm just trying to be as blunt as we can to try to help with this. They entice whether there's intention or not. And by the way, I should have said this 30 minutes ago. Guys, keep your shirt on. Modesty is not simply a female issue. You might be cut, you might be ripped, you might be proud of it. Keep your shirt on. We can't take ourselves out of this topic. One last aside. Dads. You probably, potentially, you may see your daughter as that little girl that sat on your lap and watched Barney with, or whatever was the, the thing at that time period. Well, she might not be that little anymore. And so in our mind, we've still got this little girl that, that she's not a little girl to that 17-year-old. She's not a little girl to that 18-year-old. Sometimes it's just I see, I see this young girl dressed. And she's, don't, don't. Does that girl not have a daddy? And does that dad not remember being 18 years old? Have we lost our mind? Be aware. Open our eyes and help. Your wise guys might not, they, they might not have the mind that you might not have revealed to them what I just did. Help. Your daughter might have no idea, so help. Because we're going to teach. We're, not, we're going to fight. We're going to try to become more aware. We're going to fight. And we're going to have concern. We're going to fight. Turn to Revelation chapter 6. One last passage. It's a, it's, a, it's a passage I am confessing to you before you get there. I'm pulling it out of its context. And then, but then I want to apply it to us. But I am pulling this out of context here. Revelation chapter 6 is not in any way, shape, or form at all talking about modesty. I just want to take a phrase and, and, and apply it, and I hope I apply it right. And if I, if I fail in that, you, you, you get me. You get me in the, you get me in the foyer and make sure I, I'll correct it. In Revelation chapter 6, it's, um, it's speak, it, this is that context where, where those martyrs that, 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 were, that, were, that was killed because of their faith are being described, and they're basically asking God you know, through the symbols and signs, oh, what are you doing? 
when are you going to do something about this? Are you, are you okay with this? Well, of course, God has an answer for that. So, but, but that's not the context I want us to look at. I just want to look at a phrase. Those that was around the throne asking that question about him, those that gave their life because of their faith, in verse 11, they're described as those that were wearing white robes. That's, what I, that's the goal for you and I. We want to be white and pure in front of him. Our goal is to stand before him, to stand before the judge's throne. And we want to be seen as pure. We want these symbolic white robes. That's what I want, and I believe that's what you want. What we wear now has a bearing on that. It has a, it has a bearing on how pure we really are. Get your songbooks out. Every one of us in this room can go home pure tonight. We can go home in, those symb in that symbolic white garb tonight because that's how powerful the blood of Christ is. Whatever sin we've committed, whatever, whether it be rebellion or whether it be ignorance, whether it be, as we talked about tonight, just a lack of attention, a lack of detail, whatever it might be, don't for one second think that the blood of Christ can't cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's what the epistles teach us. It's what he came for. A lot of bishops here tonight. I don't know who is who. But I hope you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you believe that, you believe that by faith. Because science books won't teach that to you. ESPN doesn't teach that to you. And sitting under a tree isn't going to teach you that Jesus is the Son of God. God's Word will. So if you believe that by faith... I hope you'll confess your belief. I hope you'll confess the king that you want to serve. I hope you'll repent of the sins that, that, that caused him to have to die. And I hope you'll take advantage of his blood. Hope you'll take advantage of forgiveness. Take advantage of white robes that are available for you. We want to help you. We don't want anybody going home spotted tonight. Take advantage of it while we stand and sing.